Hello, welcome to Blades Pod. It is Monday, the 11th of February. My name is Ben. I'm joined once again by Jay, aka Blades Analytic. How are you doing today, mate? How are you feeling after the Friday night's game? I had about a 48 hour hangover. I just dragged myself into oblivion, I think, and uh, <laughs> just attempted to not look at anything for him. I was hardly on Twitter much on Saturday daytime. I don't know. I'm better now. It's all good. We're good. all good. We're going to make people feel better today, I think. I hope. We anyway. are. They're we not are. Gonna, if you're in, like, really down in the dumps about this game, you're probably not going to listen to this podcast. But I think if you are listening, we're going to make you feel better. I feel good. So, I, I mean, there's. Uh, I think we should deal with some. So if I were to like summarize my my mood, I guess it's it's sort of annoyed but upbeat at the same time. Um, so before we get into it, obviously we're talking about the three all draw with Aston Villa on Friday night, where United, of course, blew a three goal lead, uh, which they held going into the eighty first, eighty second minute, I believe. Um, Billy Sharp hat trick, uh, three sort of. Just classic Billy Sharp goals, really. Uh, first one comes from uh, scored from a corner, yay! Because we never score from corners, apparently. But yes. uh, but, but there was a very nicely worked one. Uh, a, a, obviously, a, a pre-worked routine. Uh, Medine sort of peels off to the back stick, heads it across. Sharp taps in. Uh, second goal comes from um, Dal has a shot from the edge of the area, which the keeper saves, and then Medine sort of heads it. Up into the air, I think it came off the post and then it sort of landed in the keeper's hands. Sharp tapped it into the net from his hands. We'll come on to that in a moment. Um, <laughs> and then the third cross, Dal. Uh, sorry, the third goal, Dal. I can't speak. Third goal, Dal drives into the box. That was harder than it should have been. And uh, Sharp's there at the back, stick head in for his hat trick. And then, um, yeah, everything was going very swimmingly. That was a fully deserved lead at that point. Um, and then, yeah, Villa scored with their first corner of the game, which they'd sort of cheered like a goal, their fans did, the ones that were left, because there was probably about half the crowd left at that point, I think. Um, Henderson kind of uh, essentially couldn't get near it. Uh, Mings headed in for what I think was his first goal in four years. I think I heard that said <laughs> by the commentator. It's Tyron Mings probably shouldn't be playing in this game after he destroyed Nelson Oliveira's face the week before, in case you've not seen that. Um uh, then Abraham made it 3-2 when uh, Henderson you know, parried a pretty weak shot into his path. And then, uh, yeah, sort of, I think it was the 93rd, 94th minute, O'Connell basically had an, an air shot, at, um, a clearance, cross came, in, head, cross came in, headed in at the back stick, finished 3 all. Couldn't really believe it. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's just uh, a, an incredible mix of emotions, really. I mean, I want to I want to deal with the negatives first, I think, from this game, and then we can come on to positives because I think there are a lot of positives and this is not just me putting the sort of rose-tinted spectacles on. This is genuinely how I feel now. I was absolutely furious at the time and I'm still pretty annoyed by it, to be fair. But um, yeah, let's talk negatives first. I mean, one thing I do just want to clear up, actually, um, that Villa probably should have had a penalty. um, Oh, yeah. Which was, uh, I think it was... Yeah, it was a 3-0, I think, wasn't it? Um, Yeah. Yeah, there was a free kick, wasn't it, I think, it came in. And yeah, Basham kind of lost his man. Uh, it was a pretty clear pull. Um, so yeah, you could say they definitely deserved a penalty there. Um, Sharp's second goal was both probably a foul, and I think he may have been offside as well in the build-up. Um, yeah, it was funny, like, watching it in real time, and I, I kind of... I think it's probably because I've watched so much NFL recently that I've got this thing of like, what what is a catch now? Did the goalkeeper definitely <laughs> did he definitely have possession and control of that ball? I mean, it was it was touching both his hands for like 
0.2 of a second and then Sharp knocks it out. I think had VAR existed, it would have been disallowed. I think it's probably the best way to describe that. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah, it's just my opinion. Did the whole rule book checking thing, but just my opinion. Like, if the way I always like decisions is is not it's cold and calculated. But what if that was against us, mm. and that was a foul? Yeah, I think <laughs> I, I would have been pretty annoyed if that had been against us. Actually, see, to jump back to the because you and I had a bit of a debate about the um, the goal that uh, our first goal against Bolton, yes, uh, yeah. the previous game, which which with that one I didn't think that was a foul, and I do think if it had been the other way, if that had been a goal for Bolton, I just think. Come on, you've got to be stronger defensively. But yeah, this one, this one would definitely have annoyed me had it been against us. So, all the same, you know, we were still uh, fully deserving of being ahead. I think, but yeah, I mean, how do we explain what happened next? Then, do you do you want to have first stab at this? Like, how <laughs> how did we blow this game? Because I I don't think there's, I don't think you can put it any other way. We we blew that game. Villa did not. Yeah. Uh, Villa did not rally and. You know, there was a tactical masterclass by them to get back into it, and suddenly they were all over us or anything like that. We just choked it away, basically. But yeah, I mean, what, what do you think? What do you think happened? What, what's your take on it? Yeah, I mean, I watched it back because I'm a, I'm sad, and um, you know, like this. But also because on the night, everyone, including myself, was caught obviously caught up in it, emotional and quite in heartfelt reactions, and I. I you know, I, I, and I think, you know, you in a bit more calculated way, were probably suggesting the mistakes were the cause of this. Mm. Um, and I was getting a lot of feedback, and it, nothing, nothing to take this wrong with that. I get a lot of feedback. It's all about the subs. It's all about the system changer. I was thinking, it just wasn't. And then, so I thought, right, you know what? I'm, I'm probably just a bit hot-headed here, so I'll make my points, but I'll rewatch it on the Sunday. So I rewatched it. Now, having rewatched it, I kind of see people's point. So, we get to this, you know, we get to 3-0. I think people are forgetting, with a bit of recency bias, they think that 3-0 meant we were dominating the game. We weren't. We were in control of the game. Yeah. There is a difference. We weren't making chance after chance. We weren't having all the ball. And we weren't having all the territory. We actually, even at the end of the first half, we were quite happy to sit in and just defend mm. for periods. It's Aston Villa away. They're a decent team. Even when they weren't playing well, they still have plenty of ball. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and as long as it's in non-dangerous positions like Horahan on the halfway line, we're cool with that, and we were. And it was the same at the start of the second half before Billy scored the second. They actually came out and were quite good for the first five minutes. Mm, I remember, yeah. I mean, Dean Smith switched them up, so they they went from a four-two-three-one to a four-three-three, which didn't really change the personnel. But what it did is it put their their wide players. They became full-on wingers, mm. and they were trying to push our wing backs back. It was quite clear what they were trying to do. And then McGinn came back into the middle to try and make it three-on-three. But you know, we'll get into the intricacies of it in a bit. But you know, we it was a they were all right. They weren't crazily bad or they weren't good. But we were in complete control of the game. And then even up until the first goal goes in, Villa from the first sub to that first goal had one shot on target from a Conor Horan free kick. Yeah, this, there was no pressure. I they think put in, that was actually their only shot in that period. So yeah, just to be just to be clear, what we mean here from us making our first sub to. Uh, Villa scoring their first goal, they had one single shot in those 20 minutes and that was a direct free kick. I think they only had three in the whole half up to that point. They've basically yep. done nothing. I, exactly that. I counted as well. They put in four crosses in that period. Three of them were completely over here. <laughs> we probably was, did more than that in the first five minutes of the game. Yeah, there was not. it was just pressure as in territorial possession pressure. There was no chance creation the defence was solid we defended the box we cleared when we needed to the only thing we did well 
from the start of the first second half to the first sub is we did we did keep the ball in midfield a bit better we actually mm. got it from the defence to the midfield to the forward players a little bit better it was a little bit more controlled and we kept it we actually sustained an attack or two whereas we stopped doing that after the first sub but that wasn't the subs that was the whole team so I counted from from the first goal going in Norwood and Fleck hardly play a forward pass that gets completed mm. There's the one period where Fleck goes running off on a dribble at the end between him and Baldock and they should keep the ball in the corner and they don't. Um, but, you know, they're, they're not the only ones guilty of errors. <laughs> you yeah. know, but it was just, we everyone, so it wasn't just subs or system, everyone completely lost their heads as soon as Villa got one. So is that, that what you put it down to then? It's it's almost just uh, just panic that happens in sport sometimes. It was just panic. Now, some teams will panic worse than others. Middlesbrough, for example, can probably sustain pressure. They can probably handle it. They're used to defending their box. They're used to being gritty and digging in. I think we've all agreed that Sheffield United's clean sheets are not down to fantastic defending. We have good defenders, but we're not a team that get 1-0 up and sit in and defend Mm. our box. Um, There has been examples of that, but generally we we defend well because we have a lot of the ball and then on the other attacks the opposition do have, we're quite good at defensively. We're not good under sustained pressure. We're not. I, I don't think we are. You know, if teams have... What Villa did as soon as they got the first goal is they just start getting it out wide and whipping it in the box. And that's when you started getting the penalty potential calls. We were There were some great defensive headers by Stevens and Masham, but then the second ball, they were picking it up. The midfield just stopped competing. It was just, it was a whole smorgasbord of things that went wrong, but it all came from one error to begin with. Yeah, and, and well, and then went on to become three Two. errors, basically. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, it was, it was, I think every, all three goals, uh, completely uncharacteristic errors. So the first one, yeah, as I say, Henderson, you know, just kind of just flaps at a corner really or comes out and doesn't doesn't get involved, doesn't manage to get anything on it all. The second one, it was such a weak shot. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I expected him to hold it, never mind sort of gently push it to uh, straight to Abraham. And then the third one, I mean, all right, pe- you know, that ball's dropping from the sky for O'Connell. You know, sometimes people miss those, you know, or just slice it out or something like that. But... In that situation where we've just conceded two ridiculously yeah. soft goals, and then he does that, and of course the cross comes in, and the guy wins the header at the back post, and it goes in the top corner. It's just like, come on! Like, yeah. how did that happen? How did all three of those things happen in ten minutes? And this is, I guess, partly for me, this is the um, the source of my like not too down about this because it's just it's so unlikely that those players will do those things again individually never mind three times in 10 minutes and I know I've seen some people say afterwards like oh you know you know I'd always seem to do this how many times have we blown this kind of position and oh yeah I, do, but I no. don't think we have possibly no. ever I've also seen people come back and say like in watching United for like 30 years or whatever I don't remember as ever blowing a three goal lead in the last 10 minutes and yes that does make it extra annoying that we've just lived through one but at the same time it's like this is just just a freak like the way this game finished is freakish. And yes, you can say, you know, there's some, it, it shows a little bit of like mental weakness that we weren't able to sort of just avoid that from happening. But I don't know, occasionally that sort of thing just happens in sport, doesn't it? Just sort of snowballs, a team just comes from behind I, like that. But yeah. I think so. I do. I do. You know, I, I think, and I say this as a person who over, over does definitely overanalyze football. That's why people probably follow me because I overanalyze football. But I think probably too much overanalysis. You know, about mm. subs and systems. It weakened us, it did. We didn't hold the ball as well. The team mentality dropped off a bit. We were 3 0 up with eight minutes to go. We dropped it shouldn't off. shouldn't have made a difference, is what you're no. saying, right? At yeah. All. Just any one of our squad, and some fans are going to shout me at me for this, but even Marvin Johnson, 
any one of our squad coming onto that pitch in any variety of system other than everyone up front should not have gone from 3-0 in the 82nd minute to 3-3. It would not have happened if people didn't make basic amateurish errors. Yeah. And it's not it's not knocking those players. Jack O'Connell was outstanding in that game. He, he, he was really, really brilliant. was. I, I mean, we... <laughs> I watched it with my dad and my brother and uh, it's like the ultimate in like, oh, bugger. <laughs> I can't believe we yeah. were saying all these things 10 minutes ago. But but genuinely, about the 80th minute, we were like, so who's man of the match? I mean, you have to give it a shot. But every single outfield player has been fantastic. Um, and yeah, so like you say, it was, uh, it was so uncharacteristic, not only of his ability and what we've seen week after week, but on the night as well for him to do that. Yeah, oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, to be fair to Jack, in the last three weeks, I think he's gone up levels. Yeah, I'd say I so. From that Swansea game where he had to do yeah. quite a lot of defending, yeah. I th- when when we're under pressure, Jack's our best defender. Mm. I, I think that's fair. And, yeah. and, and, and that's not even to go along with what he does in the final third. I think Sky put up the graphic of all centre-backs and first for crosses, first for chances created, first for, you know, mm. he's just, other than Jake Cooper, because he just heads the ball off every corner and sets everyone <laughs> up, apparently. Jack O'Connell assists everyone. It's, it's crazy. It's, but... Yeah, I mean, you never Jack won't do that again. Hmm. You can't guarantee it, but he won't do it next week. But you probably won't do that again because he hasn't done it in three years. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's nuts. Henderson, I, I love Dean Henderson. We spoke about him on this pod. We, we love the shit hours. I think he's a very good young keeper. Young keepers make mistakes. I do, controversially, have a little bit of a thing with Dean Henderson. Um, I think he's good. I don't think he's as good yet as sometimes people think he is. Mm. I, uh, there's data to suggest Dean Henderson is not as good yet as people may think he is. Um, that's yeah. not saying it's bad. Most of the things I see, um, I think S2 stats put something up on this as well. He's kind of a sort of upper middle ranking goalkeeper in this division. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, so if you look at his XG conceded from shots on target, you've got to be very careful about that. It's got to be shots on target mm. rather than just general shots. He's 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 actually, I got him at 14th. Yeah, okay. So he's not poor by any means. He's, he's bang in the middle. He's bang average. And I think that's fair. I think he's an excellent young goalkeeper in terms of his character, his personality. He brings a lot to the team in terms of team spirit. And he can make some great, you know, like Rotherham away. He makes some great shots, stopping saves. He's a young keeper. He'll make mistakes. I don't think he's extraordinary. Yeah. I, 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 that's fair. Um, but still, he, he's not made, you know, leads away was a, was a kicking error. Keepers make kicking errors sometimes. He's mm. not made shot stopping mistakes like that before. You know, I can only very, just at home. Very few, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, we do just need to sort of clarify here. Like, he was not good in this game, even before the goals. No. Um, you know, there's one in the first half, like a cross that he, he punched away under pretty much no pressure at all. And it, you know, it wasn't like an amazing punch that goes to the halfway line or goes out for a throw or anything like that. And then the free kick that we mentioned, um, which was Villa's only, other, only shot on goal, basically, at that point. Uh, it, you know, it, it was firmly hit and needed saving, but... It, um, you know, he sort of pushed it straight back into the danger area, essentially, and a little bit fortunate it didn't go straight to a Villa player for a tap-in at that point. And then, yeah, the goals themselves, I mean, just just huge errors, really. I mean, I, for yeah. me, the the second goal is is the one where I was just like, what are you doing? I can't believe yeah. you've done that. Um, and, you know, we, must, looked, go on, we must say, though, on that second error, before we got to Dino, the, the, before the shot comes in, awful awful organisation from the set piece this is the other thing that I wanted to say people say about the system caused this the, the first two goals came from two nothing set pieces yeah like Villa won a corner for the first goal and Ender actually won the ball and just ran it out of play because he'd overran it you know not his fault he won the ball and it just went out of play mm. there was no real pressure he just won the ball out wide it went out of play and then the corner was on top of Hendo's head and he just didn't 
do anything physically. Mm. And then the second one, he's just we've just fouled John McGinn in the middle, you know, just trying to win the ball back. Again, no real pressure. We've just fouled him. Yeah. And then at the set piece, we've just left their centre half at the back post completely unmarked. Oh, I mean, it's yeah. one. you have to do better. Yeah, yeah. I'm sticking up for Endo in a way here because it was poor of him in the after effect, but. We have to defend better at three-one. We have to. There is something in that. There is mm. for me. There is. We we did lose the plot completely, structurally, defensively, and even individually. Clearly, at the end, we just lost the plot, mm. um, which is fine. It can happen, and as long as it only happens in that ten minutes, no one cares. But I, he did look a bit nervous. He looked a bit shell shocked in the end. After that, especially after that second, he looked a bit shell shocked. Yeah, which is yeah, it's just weird. Like because I like I said, you know, there was that Leeds mistake, but then he straight back the next game looked absolutely fine and. Yeah, it's just very uncharacteristic, I thought. Um, you know, you saw him at the end uh, kind of gesturing to the fans like that. You know, that's on me. He was kind of patting his uh, patting his chest as he, as he did after that Leeds mistake that we talked about as well. So, yeah, I've, I've got no doubts that it's going to affect him. I saw somebody say, you know, what what, what are the odds of uh, Simon Moore starting on, on Wednesday night? And, None. Uh, yeah, None. I would say less than 1%. Oh, uh, and is- that's allowing for an injury. This is Chris Wilder all over, isn't it? This is this is Wilder. It is, it, it, you're in at the deep end, son. Basically, mm. you know, here's a chance to prove your worth. Now, is yeah. it, everyone is allowed errors. Every no, I, you know, no one that I saw said anything that bad on Twitter. To be honest with you, it's mm. fine to criticise him. I don't care if he's 21. It's fine to say he was abysmal and I wouldn't say disgraceful, but it's a, it's fine to say he was. That was a pretty abysmal dis- performance, wasn't it? It's fine to say that. Yeah, but it's you know, no one was a saying personally we shouldn't he shouldn't be in goalkeeper or anything like that he's, he's been good for us this year he'll play on Wednesday and I've got no doubt with his character he'll play well yeah um, me too that's where you need them big big balls don't you basically yeah quite um, one other thing just to mention on a, a full disclosure while we're going into negatives I suppose David McGoldrick what, what were you doing there? So <laughs> McGoldrick gets in in the left channel uh, I think there's one defender and two attackers with him uh, basically, if he just crosses to, I think it's Baldock at the back post. Baldock, then, yeah, then he's, he's going to have a tap in. Uh, instead, the ball ends up in the goalkeeper's arms with a fairly tame shot. Now, the only thing I will say is we shouldn't need to score four goals to win a game. No, you know, we both. haven't drawn that game because we didn't go four nil up. Like, but at the same time, yeah, that was uh, the, that was one we should have done better with. I think I always feel sorry for Baldock. You know, he, he scores very few. I think we certainly last season we pointed to his kind of lack of output in goals and assists and it's kind of carried on a bit this year as well but there's so many times he pops up in the right sort of space you just think like how has it not been squared to him for a tap in he went mental as well Uh, Blades are probably thinking why were these two laughing about this but it was funny he went Mm. mental at McGoldrick because when you're playing right wing back in our system you're knackered by the 75th minute surely you are out on your legs and Baldock must have done a 50 metre sprint at full pace to be free at the back post Mm. to just see his striker hit it to the keeper I'd have gone he went mental (laughs) and I quite like George when he's angry (laughs) alright so the big question is will the wheels fall off our season now what do you reckon no 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 I don't I, no it, do you know what I love actually is it, you don't the, the, the honest answer is we don't know do we no no that's got to be the honest answer you know we've got Borough, Borough a tough game we could lose to Borough and still the wheels haven't fell off it's just that Borough are a decent side yeah that that is fine but I know what the narrative will be if we lose to Villa at home it will be that the wheels have fell off that's you know a result that we'll never get out of his heads and everything like that yeah it, no, not a prayer for me with this team not a prayer for me with this team. They're too strong character-wise. 
I know, yeah. I know you can say maybe not because they conceded three in the last five or whatever, you know, but I, I think moving game to game, they've always responded. I loved Wilder's management actually at the end because mm. this is a man who's tore into us before for a 1 0 loss away at Hull, yeah. which, you know, was a 1 0 loss. Doesn't sound that bad on paper, does it? No, but, we were absolutely crap that day. We were crap, yeah. But I mean, you know, on, on paper, it's a 1 0 loss. You know, you could expect yeah. a manager to say we were abysmal, but we'll get better. Whereas he tore us into a new one. Yet we concede three in ten minutes, and he's walking off the pitch, genuinely smiling, saying, "You know what? For eighty minutes, we were bloody great there." Yeah, I want to get onto that in a sec, actually. But um, yeah, I think I, th- I mean I had a sort of uh, well. Now let me come onto this first, actually. So th- there is this thing, uh, and I-, I know you've sort of tweeted about it quite a lot uh, recently as well, I suppose. But you know, I think modern football fandom is like so keen to ascribe <laughs> a narrative to what's happening at the moment and I was uh, Daniel Story who used to write for Football 365 I'm not sure I think he's just a freelance writer now but um, he wrote a really good article on this last week which I think you tweeted as well actually about Did. you know th- this this need of like you know if somebody loses a game then oh they're in crisis and the manager's a fraud or you know they've won two games in a row they're the greatest team of all time that kind of thing and you know almost how we need to kind of flit between these ascribed narratives and you know the the obvious one here is like oh the wheels are definitely going to fall off for United now it's collapse time and I, I just think calm down you know if that happens you and as you say you very rightly point out it could happen we don't know you know we can't predict the future with 100% accuracy no. we don't know we don't know exactly what is going to happen in the next few weeks but it would be in complete contrast to everything that we know about this team about this management team as well and to be honest, I mean, you know, everybody's entitled to their opinion, but I do think that that is a disservice to the players and the managers, uh, yes. sorry, the management, to think that way. Um, I think even under Wilder, we've been through much worse than, than drawing a game that we should have won away at Villa and come through it. I mean, the one I called up, because I wanted to just check exactly what this was, the season we got promoted from League One, 100 points. On January the 14th, we lost 4-1 at Walsall. On January the 21st, Next game, drew two all at home to Gillingham in a pretty average performance. And then three days later, we lost 2-0 at home to Fleetwood. And yeah, I remember at the time thinking, oh my God, we are somehow going to blow this. We were like third in the table at that point. I think Scunthorpe were looking pretty strong. And yeah, uh, yeah we we rallied back. We, we actually didn't lose again for the rest of the season after that Fleetwood game on, uh, on 24th January. Obviously, I'm not saying we are <laughs> unbeaten for the rest of the season, but... You know, we, we've seen evidence of uh, this team's resilience in the face of adversity. And whilst, you know, losing a three-goal lead in the last 10 minutes is, is, is pretty adverse, pretty annoying in its freakishness, it could have been worse. You know, for starters, there's like 15 games left. It's, it wasn't the playoff final or the playoff semi-final. Yep. There's a lot of opportunity to, uh, to get over this and, and just continue to show what a really good side that we are. And, and yeah, let's, let's get on to the positives then because, yeah, my God, we look good for 80 minutes. You know, th- this is weird, but even though we chucked away that lead, I actually feel more confident that we could get automatic promotion now than I did before that game because I thought we were fantastic for the first 80 minutes. Are you similar or uh, too many questions? We need to put the hot take alert beaker on there. That was a hot take, actually, yeah. I I preface that with a hot take. That's a huge statement. Um, I I can't... I'm still... So for the first 70 minutes of that game, I'm sat there thinking, we're better than Leeds. We're Mm. definitely better than Leeds. We, We are. 
Le- Leeds don't have the squad depth. They, they may, might play intense football, but they're on a bit of a poor run. They don't have the squad depth. We're better than them. These, the, you know, the January transfer signing. Well, I'm sure we'll get onto individuals, but January looks to have strengthened us. Mm. We are better than Leeds. We've in, we've improved our way of playing. We've added to it. And I thought, yeah, all right, I think Norwich are a class team. I've said that all along. Yeah. Um, you know, I think they will go up. But I thought, yeah, we're second here. Only West Brom might even get closest, but we're second. And then because of the little collapse at the end, I do think it was rare. I'm not sure it'll ever happen again, but it does it, it does raise some questions. Not over mentality. I'm happy with our mental, that mentality. It's more just defensively for me. Mm. When it gets when the, when the tough gets going away at West Brom, away at Leeds, are we going to be able to keep a clean sheet? Are we going to be able to keep them to one and grind out a draw or grind out a 1-0 win? I'm still I'm still unsure on this team in big games that it can keep clean sheets or at least opposition down to one. That's just my opinion. Well, yeah, because um, then the flip side is, uh, <laughs> you know, would would you uh, are we going to go into these games thinking we're not going to score a goal or we're only going to get yeah. one goal? Cause yeah, that's no, very true. We still carve out the chances, don't we? It's, it is true. And this, to be honest with you, this Villa game into a narrative that's developing for me, which I might look further into actually, um, which is just how. How clinical have we been? So Sharp scored, I think, six goals in his last three games, isn't it? So it was a hat trick, one and two, I think. What was the game before that? Yeah, oh, uh, yeah, he's got two at Norwich. Uh, yeah, one against um, Bolton, and then yeah, three, so, yeah. so three and six in his last three. And yeah. I think that's come from about seven or eight efforts. Yeah. So I mean, this, you know, my point I'm getting to is how clinical we've been because we didn't create a ton at Villa we played exceptionally well as in progressing the ball from defence to midfield to forward areas we got it in good areas we looked great moving the ball about I mean that first 15 minute spell I thought we looked extraordinary Mm. they didn't have any idea where any of our players were going to be at any given time Yeah, it was a masterclass you know if Chris Wilder's called Marcelo Wilder you know he's (laughs) he's getting getting bloody plod it's left right and centre it's unreal but I do, you know, there is a thing at the minute where we're just we're, we're doing that thing again, where we're just making a couple of big chances, but we're really taking them. Well, that's it. We're we're creating tappings at a very very good rate. Aren't we? I mean, I'm just looking yes. at the stats now. So we had four big chances to Villa's one, and I assume the one for Villa was the uh, Abraham tapping. But yeah, it's kind of. I mean, <laughs> I think I was going to tweet this the other day, and then and then stopped. There was a there was a great article by uh, I think it was Michael Cox uh, talking about Man City and how they're like tappings. yeah they just create tappings and that is that's essentially what we do. We are yes. you know, Man City light if you like very light because we're a full division below them obviously. But you know that's that's our whole mentality. Isn't it just create tappings and then we have the world's greatest predator knocking them in, correct time and time again. Correct, correct on that last statement and the first one. <laughs> correct on it all. No, it's, it, it, it is interesting. So I, I, I still think we're fine. I, I, you know, we go back to your original question. I don't think the wheels have fallen off. I think we're still more than in this promotion race. Mm. You know, not just from points, but in terms of where the teams actually are. We haven't even seen Scotty Hogan yet. No. You know, you, you got to add that in. That's another lift, isn't it? We, we, Definitely. I think, I, I think you, you'll come on to it now, but we just played Villa away without Mark Duffy. And, and McCordic, yeah. who've been two of our better players this season, and we got three goals. We were 3 0 up at one point. Yeah. I think the final thing to say is, is probably the worst case scenario with United right now is we scrape the playoffs. I mean, I talked about this a, a couple of weeks ago. It will take a monumental collapse for us not to make the playoffs, I think. Just, you know, the amount of points that we've got currently, the, the winnable home games that we've got. I mean, yeah. if, if you do it on that kind of. Uh, you know, how many points do you think you could take from the last 15 games? And even if you go really pretty low and say we only win like 
seven of those 15 games or something like that, still think that could be enough for the playoffs. So, yeah, the the worst case scenario is still pretty pretty nice, to be honest. It's going to be interesting, that, actually. Uh, you know, we, we love a tangent, me and you, don't we? But I don't want a tangent too far. <laughs> but I, I was looking at the kind of top six, top seven race mm-hmm. this morning, just because... Just in the last two weeks, it's really bunched up. Mm. It, it seemed two weeks ago we were seven or eight, nine points clear, you know, and, and it looked like Derby were going to make that last spot. Maybe Forrest could have knocked them, but really the playoffs were set almost, you know, mm. other than maybe a late run. And then Bristol City have gone and won, what, eight in a row or seven in a row or something? Six like in a row that. in the league, yeah. Yeah, six in the league and they're you know, unbeaten in nine or ten overall. And they got QPR at home midweek, so that QPR in free fall, so that looks like they'll. You never know with the championship, but it could be another win, and that mm-hmm. makes them seven in a row, and they're in the playoff. And then if they win that, and the, top, the teams above them take points off each other, they're all of a sudden three points off second. It's it's bunched up. It's really bunched up. So it's going to be interesting, actually. And uh, because of that reason, there will be even more fear <laughs> that we. Well, could yeah, I mean, out. I think the thing to remember though is that there's there's other teams in the way. Isn't there? It's, it's not like you know there's a single playoff spot that United occupy. And we should all be looking at Bristol City or Birmingham or whoever and going like, oh my God, look how well they're doing. Like, yeah. you know, Bristol City may well finish above us in the table, but I'd still think we'd make the playoffs. I mean, I'm just looking now. Um, so Ben Mayhew does, obviously, you know, Ben Mayhew yep. does, does these brilliant, um, load of great visuals on all four divisions of English football. Uh, and yeah, he does his side of uh, championship probabilities uh, for the rest of the season has as about a 95% likelihood of making the playoffs. Oh, which, yeah. Which is pretty high. It's uh, lead, Leeds look like 98, 99. Norwich just behind. This is, I think this is, no, this is up to date actually. And then it's us, then it's West Brom. And then it's a bit of a drop off to Middlesbrough, a bigger drop off to Derby and Bristol City, about 35% likelihood. So, yeah, I'm, I'm still, uh, you know, I, I would be really, really shocked if we didn't make the playoffs, even if we had a pretty crap end to the season. I think the key for everyone, kind of going back to this whole, you know, don't be so morbid about it, it's happened, it's done. It, mm. it would have to take a catch, like you've said, a catastrophic failure of not winning games for us to yeah. not make the playoffs or even be in the auto- automatic race. And we have evidence of the last 30 games to suggest that we do win these games. Exactly. Um, you know, one-off game you can always look at and say, oh, that's it, you know, everything's going to fall away and teams are catching us up and the wheels are going to fall off. Well, actually, in the previous 30 games, we've shown that we're the third, second, sometimes first best team in this league. So even myself, everyone just needs to chill and just get behind the, get behind the lads on Wednesday because that, that, that's a big one. It is a big one for many reasons. Um, it take away the emotion of it. It's a big one for points because we can actually put some separation between us and Borough. Mm. Uh, you know, to keep in this auto race, and there's some tough fixtures in midweek. Some of the top sides. So there is, yeah, uh, Norwich are at Preston, I think, and Leeds. Who've Leeds home, got? Home to Swansea, which might not sound hard, but <laughs> Swansea is just a, a boardroom that's falling apart. But they keep winning games. Yeah, yeah. They just keep winning or drawing a game, or I mean, they're inconsistent. So Leeds might well get there. But Leeds have won what two in seven? Yeah, I was just bringing that up actually. So they they last going back. They drew in Middlesbrough last minute equaliser. They obviously lost three one at home to Norwich the week before. They scraped past Rotherham, I think, 2-1. They lost at Stoke. They beat Derby and lost 4-2 at Forest prior to that. Oh, and they lost to... Uh, I somehow missed this. They lost to um, Hull on... The, yeah. Is that right? I don't remember yeah. that Hull. On the yeah, 29th Hull, of December. Yeah, Hull went there and won. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's... So, you know, you you talk about falling away. Leeds lost... I mean, they had a couple of points advantage, don't wrong, but Leeds won, what, 2-3-7, and, and they're still sat in second. So it's, yeah, exactly. This league's just mental. This league's just crazy. And things like that happen. I mean, the good thing for me was watching on the Saturday, kind of no pressure because we'd already played and it was just hoping a couple of results fell our way. 
you watch Birmingham go 4 0 up at half time, oh, and no. then they should have drawn 4 4. Naki Wells missed a penalty in the last minute. Yeah. So, I mean, that could have been worse than ours. And then I think <laughs> Derry were playing away at Morecambe to go like almost top of League Two, and they were 3 0 up, and that got back to 3 2, and Morecambe had chances there. So, it, it, it happens. Mm. It does. It's not just us. This thing happens in the crazy world of the EFL where teams don't have this massive money advantage and one little drop in performance level and teams all of a sudden become equal from being yeah. in a bossy boss position. But I did see a good tweet uh, saying, was any other United fans hoping QPR would score that penalty just to, yes. uh, <laughs> just yes, to remove any spotlight from us? I don't think we're going to pronounce it right, but he deserves a shout for that. Dar Michael or something like that. It was... Oh, yeah. A crazily good tweet. I was like, "Yeah, that was me all over." Sat there thinking, "Put it in, put it in. Please take the yeah. attention off." I do. Do we want to talk about Medina Dal for a second? I do. Yeah, because uh, yeah. So, so as we say, um, McGoldrick and Duffy dropped out for this one to the bench. Uh, we essentially went with the team that started against Norwich and was less effective than uh, than when those subs came on. Um, yeah, let's, let's talk Medina first because I, I thought he was. Uh, I thought he was outstanding in this game. I mean, it was. I think probably the first five or six minutes, it looked like we were going for the uh, just launch it to him from from our own half kind of tactic. But from then, we used him much more savvily, and everything he did was excellent. I thought, you know, his his hold up play, some of his touch was really good as well. Kind of touch passes off to um, off to Sharp, off to Dowell, and some of our other on rushing midfielders as well. He was constantly a threat. You know, he got fouled a, a heck of a lot. There were a couple of times he went down a little bit softly and the referee, correctly in my opinion, did not give a free kick. But generally was a was a real problem. Obviously, it was um, he probably should have buried what ended up being Sharp's second goal where he sort of yeah. headed the rebound kind of against the post. But, you know, he's, he's, in the, he's in the right spot to sort of get it back towards goal. And yeah, I mean, just incredibly encouraging that 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 level of performance is is something we can potentially call upon the rest of the season. You know, that we're not we're not having to drop in Leon, who, you know, I'm a fan of, but Medine looks like a, a sort of slightly different class based on that performance and a, a bit of a glimpse against Bolton as well. We're we not having to rely on Washington or someone like that, that we have this genuine starting standard option in him. And yeah, I thought this was a really, really good showing and yeah, hopefully he just gets a goal soon as well. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I can't really add much on the Medine one. I loved how he he was he was doing what McGoldrick does in a different way. Mm. You know, he was because he he's a target, so you don't necessarily have to play it long, but you can play it into him. His chest, yes. his feet. He's got good. He showed a good touch, and he was linking play nicely, not with the dynamism, dynamism, dynamism <laughs> that McGoldrick does. You know, McGoldrick will, will turn quickly, play it off, and he bursts off into space, and it's all quick. Medine a little bit more slow, but. It was, you know, the way he just dropped into little pockets and knitted play together. He was picking up spaces, and and there was, I'll give that, you know, a lot of fans credit for this. They were right. He did have to come off because he was knackered. Mm. Uh, it, it, rewatch it. He was knackered. He'd stopped well, sprinting at that he's point. He's barely played any football for yeah. seven or eight months, something like that. Exactly. Like yeah, going back to the to the end of last season. It's completely fair for him to be tired. Yeah. Um, especially in the type of game he's played in. He's played in Norwich away and Villa away. It's not exactly easy, is it? Um, <laughs> You know, I know he came on against Bolton, but in terms of starts, so he's you know he's in the deep end there, and he was brilliant. And we did miss him when he weren't on the pitch mm. because under pressure, especially, we didn't have the out ball of just going to Medine's chest or head, and he wins on a flick on. And if nothing else, he might put them up a throw in further up the pitch, but at least it's away from the goal. Um, you know, I, I thought Dowell was great. I, I'm yeah. biased because my love for Kieran Dowell is well publicly known, but I thought he was fantastic. In the first half, I had people tweeting me at the end of the first half saying. 
yeah, he's shown glimpses, but he's, you know, he's not getting into the game. He's not doing the control that Duffy did. And actually, I blamed other players for that. If you watch mm. Dowell, he's picking up brilliant spaces, probably better than Duffy does in terms of attacking spaces. Like he was making runs into areas. Into the box as well. Exactly. I mean, that goal, that, that run for the third goal where he gets the little bash and plays a wonderful little chip, actually. Didn't get the yeah. credit for that bash, but great pass. Dal was making that run in the first half and once or twice, this is what I mean about Baldock, he picks up great places, Baldock, he runs with it, he works hard, he just didn't lift his head. Because mm. if he lifts his head rather than playing sideways, Dal's away. Uh, and once we suss here in Dal's movements, he's going to be a massive player, impactful for us. I thought he was great. He, he, he will lose the ball sometimes. He'll get knocked off it because he's got a light frame and every now and again he'll try something and it'll probably be in the wrong area and he'll get an absolute racking for it. Mm. But he's also going to do things like that pot shot from the edge of the box. Wasn't great. As in, you know, the keeper should have probably done better. But he's a good shooter. If he connects with them, they fly in. Yeah. There's evidence of it, you know. Um, he did a back heel at one point. He, sorry, a dummy. So the ball was played into him. And he did like oh, a yes. little, little step over the dummy. Shark just didn't read it. Exactly. You know, and these are just things that he needs time. I, imagine if we knew that was coming. Billy's there. All it is is a little ball, ball around the corner and Dal's in. Yeah. These are the little dynamic things that, that not a detriment of Duffy that's not what Duffy brings but that's what Dal brings and that's what I have seen for many years and that's why I think Kieran Dal's perfect for us yeah, because he will, I mean, he will do them there's there's definitely a few things where you just think like oh, you need to do a little bit better there like particularly defensively like there was one uh, it was in the first half actually where I think Villa had a free kick or something or a cross had come in and he, he essentially like either didn't control or didn't react to a ball on the edge of the area. And I think it ended up Hutton having a shot or something like that. And yeah, I think there was another one maybe in the same half or in the second half, actually, where he sort of just lost it close to the edge of our area. But, you know, those things happen, don't they? He's not not a perfect footballer. And um, yeah, you can sort of see he's a different player to Duffy. But I mean, what he's encouraging is that the early signs are it's not a step down in quality if he's playing instead of Duffy, you know, in the way that it would be if it was Lundstrom or, or even Coots, you know, dare I say it at this point. Um, so, yeah, it looks both him and Medine look like they're going to be very, very astute signings for the rest of the season. And, yeah, we have we have actual options in these games. You know, we can leave out two of our, well, probably our two most creative players in McGoldrick and Duffy and still create four brilliant chances, score three goals away at Villa and should have won the game comfortably. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty encouraged by that, to be honest. I mean... One last thing we need to talk about, and, and it is a shame, and I, I think this actually exacerbates uh, yeah. the annoyance of this game, that this man is not in the headlines more. Billy Sharp, 101 Blades goals. And all right, the, the, the 100th goal was a little bit scrappy. Possibly shouldn't have counted. No, I loved but, it. But no, come I on, loved it. it's so I, sharp, isn't it? Yeah, that's why I loved it. I, I didn't want to see. I think Billy, did he have a shot from like 25 yards out? Or something yeah, like that, did, and he yeah. flew over the bar. And I was like, no, don't go in. Don't go in. That's not a Billy Sharp goal. I don't want it to be a go- I want this to literally bounce off his arse and go in. That is Billy Sharp. Because there is an absolute skill to what he does. Yeah. What, was, whole- what do you reckon was the uh, combined distance of his hat-trick goals? Eight yards? If that? Yeah, I mean, maybe seven? Y- yeah. Yeah, if that, literally if that. I mean, well, two of them were literally on the line, basically, weren't they? Yeah, true. It's the perfect sharp hat-trick for me. Three it goals, is. all inside the six-yard. I'm pretty sure they were all inside the six-yard box. Yeah, if anything... I know they definitely were. The second one was on the line, yeah. Yeah, they were. If anything, I'm pissed off he had that shot from 45 yards because he's just ruined <laughs> his record of three shots, three goals. You know, he's just... Yeah. 
But I think extended the the average distance of a Billy Sharp shot this season I, by about twenty five yards. Yeah, it's an outlier. I don't <laughs> like it, Billy. No, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And the thing I was listening to, I was listening to some for some unknown reason. I thought I put myself through the pain on Saturday night and watched the Quest highlights. Mm. And they had like a match of the day commentator who's doing a game, and um, I, I, he said after Sharp scored his hat trick, you know, oh, there've been three easy chances, and you think, whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I almost wanted to phone in and think <laughs> they're only easy because he's there, mate. Yeah, exactly. Because you know? he's always there for the twenty, for the nineteenth, twentieth, and twenty-first times this season, he was there. Exactly, he is always there. That is why he, you know, that's why he's there. He's easy because Billy Sharp stands. He does little movements. He pushes. You know, the little nudge onto the defender for the third goal was just. Mm. Yeah, it was just. It was just a bit of sex, to be quite frank. It was just like <laughs> it, nobody is because it's like that Bolton. You know, I, I said mm, that one may be a foul, maybe not. You said no foul, but it is like he's just so clever. The little mm. intricate things he knows refs don't quite pick up on because when the action's flowing, they're not looking for it. Mm. You know, it he's, he's such a clever player, and I love that they were scrappy goals because that's what he does. But he's yeah. the best at it by a mile, and we are so lucky to have him. We really are. Twenty-one uh, league goals, mate. He's, and I mean, it's, he's it's early February. He's going to get thirty, isn't he? If we're being honest, look at. Uh, Stats. He probably is, yeah. Just look at I stats. Mean, if, you, if you throw in a couple of penalties, maybe along the way, then yeah, yeah. he's going to get thirty. He's got. He will get thirty. There. If we carry on at any way, at any point in our season, if you take three, four, five game samples of the chances we create and Billy scoring run, he gets thirty. He probably gets more. Mm. He's just, he's got ten between now and the end of the season in him. Let's be honest. There's, there's 50, what fifteen games for us to go. Yeah, well, you just know we're going to create a chance for him every game, pretty much, and yeah, more times than not, he's going to knock it in. Yeah, I mean, it's just if at thirty-three, if he get, I mean, a if he gets thirty goals, we should get promoted because McGoldrick's getting at least twelve, fifteen. Yeah, no, he's already on twelve, isn't he? so he's going to get at least probably fifteen. You'd think so. So we should get promoted at thirty goals. You'd hope so, but if he gets thirty at thirty-three, after people have wrote him off, including us, I'll put us in yeah. that. You know, we we did. It's, well, I wrote him off to the extent where I, at no stage did I expect him to score twenty plus goals no, this season. No, but ten ten ish was was on, but yeah. I mean, there's there's a couple of games he'll want to score in, shall we say, mm. between now and the end of the season. I'm sure he wants to score in them all, but there'll definitely be one he does want to score in. So yeah, let's let's hope that he gets that in this season because if we do go up and Billy does get three and he does score in that game of all games, I gotta get that statue, Bill. Even if that doesn't happen, yes. Agreed. The statue needs to happen. I mean, if nothing else, Mick Foley is coming to Bramall Lane on the 12th of March because of Billy Sharp. Yeah, that's pretty pretty so, ridiculous. I know Cleon. What, listen, I grew up watching wrestling. I know Cleon, who listens to the pod since day one, and he's followed us both since day one. He loves his wrestling too. This is a great day. This, mm. is, a great, this is a great day, and it's all thanks to Billy Sharp just being able to score bloody goals. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Like, uh, there's a little bit sort of, um, I don't know, maybe maybe not drinking the Kool-Aid, but sort of willing to uh, take the, the party line on board, I suppose. But it's quite a nice one on a Monday morning to see that one drop on, you know, on, on social media. It's like, uh, you know, on we go. And Sharp's like tweeting about it and, you know, obviously made up that it's happening as well. He's you, like, uh, not a big deal know, after all. Do you know what? I thought that. So apart from the initial, th- you know, Yee, squeamish reaction of I used to love Mick Foley I watched him get chucked off a hell in a cell by Undertaker that's great <laughs> you know but other than that I actually you know you read into it and you think okay so, so all right, Billy's probably just tweeting out for a bit of banter it is great but actually that's uplifting isn't it you know yeah. after what's just happened at the weekend something like that they they obviously all know their wrestling because they all celebrated with him especially Bulldog and that 
that'll all make them laugh a bit. It might just cheer them up because I've got no denying they tore absolute pieces off each other in that dressing room after that game. Yeah. I mean, without saying it, Wilder said it, didn't he? You know, a little bit, yeah. And I saw some people sort of overreact a bit to that in, as well. I think on on Twitter and no, it's a good thing. It's a I good think thing. it is. And, and it, again, I've seen it before with United. You know, definitely has happened more than a few times in the past. And generally, we've like reacted to it really well. I don't remember a a meltdown among players where it's like suddenly you know somebody spoke out a line and everybody hates each other and the team becomes crap. I, I just I do not remember that ever happening in the time I've been watching. The, the people are getting confused with arguments and holding each other to high standards. And it, yes. it's, it's the latter. So what they saw at the end with Ender telling Dino, this is on you, sort yourself out, Yeah, you know, quite aggressively. People might say, oh, you shouldn't do that in the public eye. I, I don't have a problem with that. Well, emotions sure are running that, high, aren't you? It shows, well, it shows you care. Exactly. I think what I said, it shows you care. That's not lip service. It does show you care. And I think he would have encouraged them. If they've got something to say, get it out there. Say, this is a dressing room that polices itself. Anyone internally or knows this team, from afar, good journalists, James Shield, Biggs, Daniel, they all know. Wilder and Neil don't have to do much in the dressing room. This is why characters like Medine, who've got a checkered pass, can come into this team and it's fine. Mm. Because this, this dressing room police themselves. And that is not just from external activities, that's from holding high standards. If you slip below them standards and it costs the team, you will be told. And you will yeah. be expected to get back to standards. It's as simple as that. That's the only way we're able to be more than the sum of our parts. Because we are a team and what Ender did is fine. I have no problem with it. And if Hendo's got this big character that he, he comes across that he has, he'll, yeah, he might have had a bit of a fight about it, but he'll accept it internally, move on, he'll be better. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. I, I don't think that what he did in that game was worse than what he did against Leeds in that era. In terms of like the magnitude of an error. like And, you know, doing that in front of the Leeds fans at home. And, you know, next game comes around and he's, he's absolutely fine. He's just... You know his performance levels are back to what we expect them to be, and uh, he's back to taking the mick and knee sliding with every uh, every United goal. So, yeah, I, like I said earlier, you know, if if you think that this is the start of the collapse, then you may well be right. I'm not going to say that at this point because I, I don't know what the future is going to hold. But I'd be stunned, and I do think it is a disservice to what we know about this team, to be honest. So, yeah, I'm uh, as I said, annoyed but upbeat, mate. Um, do you want to just quickly talk about Borough just to wrap up, or uh, are you out of time? No, we can do two minutes. Two minutes just to yeah. talk about Borough. Yeah, sure. So I'm always so unimpressed with Borough. Yeah, like, yeah. and I was last season as well. I thought they were rubbish, and they yeah. made the playoffs, and then they seem to play for a one nil defeat, which is what they got <laughs> uh, against Villa. Um, so true. But I mean, you have to respect that they are like this ridiculous defensive machine. Uh, you know they won at West Brom. They I, I didn't actually see anything from the Leeds game, but they were very close to beating Leeds at the weekend. And they lost against Newport in the FA Cup. And it, just defensively, they are ridiculous, aren't they? I mean, it's, uh, yeah. it's twenty three goals in in thirty games now that they've conceded. It's nuts. And it is ridiculous. And the next closest is Bristol City, who are a full six goals worse off. Um, but they don't score at all. I mean, we have scored. 53 to their 35. West Brom have scored... Yeah, West Brom and Norwich are like almost uh, almost twice as many goals. They're averaging like 1.01 goal a game or something like that. They uh, are. Or the, Borough. They're they like a 1-0 machine. Yeah, they are the definition of a 1-0 team. I know they've had some results recently they haven't been that, but I, the only thing I will... The note of caution is whether you like it or not, Tony Pulis knows this league. Yeah, um, you know, I, I think Wilder said as much last year when we beat them two one in that game. Before the game, he was on about how he talks to Pulis quite a bit, actually. 
you know, Pulis is one of the managers he can go to and he, he knows what he's doing, Pulis. And, he, you know, everyone, not even me, not their recruitment in January, saying they brought in John Obi Mikel. They probably needed some pace forward creative players, kind of off the cuff type players. Mm. But then I watched them at Leeds at the week and they were very good. Right. They were actually very good. They were very front foot. The wing backs got forward a lot. George Friend was dominating down the left. They put a lot of good balls into the box as well. Uh, mm. They, they look strong. They look really strong. Leeds did well to fight back, actually. I'll give them credit. They really did. Because for, at one point in that game, Borough were on top big time. And if they do get on top of you, they are a good side. I mean, they're yeah. a good side anyway. But, you know, if they get on top, because they're so strong defensively, if they get a goal, it's so hard. You, you don't... If Borough score, you've lost. That's, that's yeah, normally it's, what it's it is. It's sort of a who scores first wins team, isn't it, with them? Uh, oh, yeah. They got, don't score many themselves and they concede even less. No, and you've got to be careful because I think I said it about Villa actually at the weekend. You know, I, I had this impression that under Smith, because I do like Dean Smith, he's a good coach, and you look at Villa's players, I thought at some point they might hit a run and I think they're an outside shout for the playoffs. Mm. However, after watching them on Friday, no, because they've got no structure whatsoever. It's all about get the no. ball to Codger or Abraham or McGinn and hope. Yeah. And, and Borough, I mean, at the weekend they weren't, to give them credit, but they're actually, they strike me as similar. It's can they create a chance or get the ball anywhere near a Samba longer? And mm. Pulis doesn't even like him that much. He didn't even start that many games. <laughs> they start Jude, Jordan Hugill. Well, I've no, no idea what that's about. Mm. But I, they they play better at the weekend. They did play better. I think they're George Savile and Lewis Wing in the middle. So they've gone away oh, yeah. from they've gone away from kind of the Clayton kind of foreshore. Well, obviously foreshore with the Leeds, but when he used to play for Borough, that centre mids that play the ball but don't go forward is what I would yeah. say. Uh, Savile scored 10 goals at Millwall last year Lewis Wing they signed from non-league actually it's a great story but he's got 4 or 5 in the league this year they're, they're quite dynamic basically mm. um, so they have got some threat which I would you know if they add midfield threat then they're, they're going to be a, a force so it, it's going to be a tough game because you know it's probably going to be 1-0 either way yeah That's, exactly they, they seem to, I mean just from looking at the stats they seem to be kind of a team that are almost happy playing without the ball most of the time They're like yeah. they're, this is before this weekend's game but they were 20th for passes per game 19th for possession. They're not really a long ball team either, not not to the extent that you would kind of think, and certainly not like compared to someone like uh, Millwall, for example. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just that, that basis of that ridiculously solid defence. Um, and obviously they've got Aidan Flint as well, uh, ready for his, his next goal against United. You know, yeah, Aidan, but... Aidan Flint, any time goal scorer, is probably, uh, probably worth a few bob, unless he's actually injured and I missed it. No, no, he played at the weekend and missed an absolute sitter from a corner. I'm I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna jinx it though here. Like everyone says this to me, so we're coming up to play Borough. Uh we're gonna have to be so good on set pieces, so good on oh. set pieces. We are, obviously. But Borough are one of the worst teams in the league for scoring from set pieces. They weirdly are, aren't they? From uh, at scoring anyway. I think I think they scored most of their set piece goals against us in the first ten minutes of that game. Correct. Second game of the season. If you take out the Sam I know I know you can do this with any start if you take this out, but genuinely if you take out that second game of the season against us when we were abysmal in that mm. first 20 minutes as defending set pieces they've hardly scored any they yeah, just, up now. they're not even mm. that good at creating from set pieces because they just lob it in and people have right. got used to that it's, you know you talk to Stuart Wing the guy who does the set piece stuff yeah they get on the end of some but they're just kind of headers that are going wide they're not good chances yeah, they scored five. So according to who scored, um, I don't know how they completely define set piece. Like if they include sort of when when the ball gets recycled or anything like that. Um, Borough scored five goals from set pieces this season, which is the fourth worst. Is that right? Yeah, t- uh, 
19th in the league for set-piece yeah. goals. So, so, you, uh, so it's, it's half the amount that United have scored from set-pieces, considering we're crap at set-pieces. Set-pieces. And if you take out what? They scored two set-pieces against us? Was it three? I believe so. I think it's, they scored from their first two corners, yeah. Yeah, so they scored two. So if we take the two definite corners, so they've scored what? Two, three, three goals from set-pieces. Yeah. This is not... They're going to score against us now because I'm saying it, aren't I? But this is, and it's Aiden Flint. But this is well, maybe not, if I maybe I said the Aiden Flint thing that'll cancel out the jinx. Maybe, right. maybe the, the football cliches of jinxes will go. But it, this is not, you know, <laughs> they are a danger to because they're they're massive. You know, they are massive, yeah. so they're, they're naturally a dangerous thing for that. More but as long as, massive than Wednesday. Oh uh, uh, yeah, like the silver tick. You know, <laughs> that went well, didn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I just, I mean. I don't want to, you know, I, I normally don't want to raise like issues like that because it's just laughable. But I, how pathetic was that before the night before you have a game? Never mind yeah. the fact that you're a chasm behind us. It was pretty sad. Um, I, and yeah, I, just too bad you could only beat one of the two worst teams in the league. I mean, how, yeah, how sad is that? It's just, like, that is what they are. Hang- I mean, I saw a Wednesday fan as well. Lee Bourne's obviously worse because he's part of the staff. So you think, okay, not... I thought it was a good fish, I'll be honest. I thought it was a good banter in that sense. It was a good fish because it was always going to get a nibble. But at the same time, there's a nibble and then there's just stupidity. You know, mm. I saw a Wednesday fan tweet out at the league table. It was like, oh, my phone broke and then I've got it back after the you know, United were 3-0 up and they've not won the game and they're not top. And he showed the table down to 15th and Wednesday weren't there. Oh, I didn't grasp that that was what was happening. Yeah, that's, that's what he was That's doing. incredible. That was a Wednesday fan that tweeted that. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was a United fan making that exact point. No. Wednesday, with, not even in the top half. With a decent amount of followers as well. You know, this is a genuine oh, Wednesday dear. account. It's just like, how embarrassing is your life that us dropping three goals in the last eight minutes is the best part of your season? To only, uh, is... only draw a game that we were brilliant in. And what? yes, we are indeed still third in the league. I mean, at the end of the day, we know they love they love celebrating a nil nil draw. So you know, maybe they were celebrating at the weekend. But I, I, you don't need no motivation for Derby. I'm not sure it will be, but it would be nice to know that if if the week before Hillsborough, that little silver tick tweet is up on the dressing room wall, mm. I would have no <laughs> issue with that whatsoever. Yeah. Me neither. So yeah, Middlesbrough is going to be a tough game. Obviously, they're they're fifth in the league. They are four points behind us with a game in hand. So you know the. At this stage, the table says it all, really. They are a very, very good team. Uh, I will not be in meltdown mode if we lose this game because no. I think we would have the same chance of losing this game had we won 3-0 at Aston Villa, to be honest. Borough are just a, a good team that grind out 1-0 and 2-0 wins. Uh, I won't say with ease because they have to work for it, obviously, but that is the model that has been very successful for them. Uh, Basham's obviously suspended for this game and for the Reading game as well after getting that yellow card, which I'm kind of okay with because... You know, now we know we'll be back for Wednesday, barring uh, you know a red card or injury or something like that. So I'm okay with that. I think I presume Craney will come in just slot into uh, slot into his position, which is a step down attacking wise, but I think defensively is not a huge drop off. I don't think from from what I've seen of Craney so far. No, I agree. Good, good defender. I know the weekend, yeah, you know, Friday night, people say I've considered free when he's on the pitch, but he's he's a decent. Oh, come on, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> come on. Yeah. I'm not having that. No, he's a he's a good defender. It does. It, the only negative, I guess, for Borough is it does lose a little bit of height because Crane ain't as big as Bash. And Bash That's is true. Bash is good defensively in the air. He's awful offensively in the air. Absolutely <laughs> shocking. I know he scores the odd header from a free kick or something, but generally he's no, just like right. flails trying to win the ball. There's no technique to it whatsoever. But he gets his head on stuff yeah. defensively, so we will miss a bit of height there, which is probably why Medina will play actually. 
thinking yeah. about it on Wednesday. I, I wouldn't be very surprised to see Medine play. Um, but yeah, it, 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 and that'll be a thing actually. Um, you know, the team, the lineup will be really interesting. That's because a tough team selection now. Actually, yeah. I mean, you've got to play. You're obviously playing Billy because he's well, yeah, obviously. Well, it's, I think it's whether McGoldrick and or Duffy come back into the team. I guess. I think Medine starts to the height. I've got to. I, you know, yeah, I'm with you on that, and I think Duffy probably should start, but I would not be upset if Dal did based no, on think, that performance. I think I think Duffers will start. I do. Hmm. I, I think I think that was a tactical thing of. Away at Villa, there was always going to be space in transition, and it did come mm. to fruition. And Dal did exploit that. Um, Duffy's not going to be your best player in transition because he's not that quick. It's not a detriment; it's just why he's not. So at home to Borough, who are going to be quite structured defensively, you probably want him that control of Mark Duffy. Um, yeah. And he was rested too. I guess is the other thing. You know, he's fresh, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. So right, mate. Need to wrap it up there because I have some lunch in the oven, and I don't want that to get burnt. <laughs> I've got I've got a delicious pie cooking away from uh, oh nice that, one that I made yesterday, and uh, yeah, gonna have the leftovers just now. Joy's so, yeah. at home. <laughs> yes, that's that is the beauty of it. Um, well, there we go. I, I feel I, you know I felt pretty good coming into this podcast, but I feel even better now, and I'm looking forward to the Middlesbrough game. And yeah, Roy, if you're listening, I I hope we uh, made you feel more positive, and I hope that applies for everybody else who's listening as well. And uh, yeah, any any final words on uh, on this one, mate? Before we finish just, up, just everyone go read the actual comments for Roy, because we all know Roy does a quality job, like. But just go and read all the comments that the Villa yeah. fans said because 99% of them are saying despite the fact it ended 3-3 they are, we are the class team they've seen with Norwich in this division so if you do want to feel better read them comments because I did and I was like Jesus they we must be really good because yeah, they're saying was, we're really good <laughs> that was very satisfying to read and uh, yeah I'm as always looking forward to the next game and uh, yeah it's, it's one of them where if we if we get the win I think everyone's just like oh well maybe that Villa game was a good point actually exactly, exactly. <laughs> which is it's probably uh, I think the truth is probably somewhere in between but there we go alright buddy uh, anything to uh, to plug or, or shout out to before we finish up Are you, have you got any more television appearances coming up that we should know about uh, I'm going on the end of the month ah a few more weeks then okay We'll I'm going on the end of the month, so there'll be more to talk about between now and then. But do enjoy yeah. your podcast after the Borough game with Sam from Demblades. Love Demblades. Yeah, looking forward to chatting to him. Hopefully have that one up on Thursday. But yeah, Jay, thanks very much for uh, giving up your time. Obviously, if you're not following him already, it's at Blades underscore analytic. Definitely do go and give him a follow. I'm sure you already are, but definitely worthwhile. Uh, and yeah, I'll uh, I'll talk to you later, mate. And uh, hopefully we're back to winning ways with uh, a convincing victory over Borough on Wednesday night. Indeed. See you all later, mate. mate. <laughs> See you later, Paul. Thanks a lot. <laughs>